the soil has a lot to do. Uh, for example, we're on a volcano that's prime growing land for coffee. Uh, we're actually in a volcano that got dusted, I think it was about 10 years ago with ash. Everyone was freaking out, but we just realized that was the best thing possible for quality. Welcome to the Coffee Snobs podcast, where we just really love good coffee. Grab your cup of coffee and join us each episode as we explore any and everything coffee-related. From pour-overs to lattes to the coffee experience, we explore it all. Because, well, life's too short to drink bad coffee. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to the Coffee Snobs podcast. My name is Tyler, and I am super excited about today's episode. It's going to be special for many reasons. First off, because I'm actually at the lab at LockDock with Eric and Chad. <laughs> now, I'm with Aaron Beaver, Chad Lingefell, and we have a very special guest we are looking forward to hearing all about. We have Andreas of Jags Head Coffee. Yeah, dude, today is going to be a good episode. Uh, a lot of fun. This is something that Tyler's been working on on uh, the back end of the Instagram. So if you don't follow us, you can go to the website and, yep. uh, and check it out. Reach what is out that website? So coffeesnobs.net forward slash connect. That just gives you our social media stuff. Yeah. Um, like I said, we've got special guest Andreas here. So we're going to do a really fun intro like we normally do. What's in your cup? All right, Aaron. What are we drinking right at this moment? Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, Andreas brought uh, two bags of coffee, and I'm actually, he hasn't said anything, and so he's this guest on the far end, but I, so I don't botch it to botch it all up. I'm going to get him to tell us what I made, and now I did do two different methods. I did a Chemex uh, in the big Chemex, not the little baby one, and then I also did a siphon brew in the Hario uh, siphon setup and so I did the natural that he brought in the siphon and I did the uh, the, washed. the washed thank you the washed and so uh, Andreas tell us a little bit about these bags of coffee that you brought that we're drinking so uh, they're both a medium roast uh, they're from our farm called Elsie Press it's located on the Santana volcano at 1700 meters above sea level uh, to give you an idea, it's something special because only 3% of El Salvador's coffee is harvested above that altitude. So that's a uh, real dense so, odd bean, let's say. Let's just, that's a massive flex. Yeah, okay? yeah. Just, so like, just 3%. So, <laughs> like, what's in your cup? Oh, only 3% of all coffee from El Salvador comes from it. Like, so I'm, I just had my first sip because I haven't tasted it yet because. I've been engineering all this, and I'm the actual one who brewed it, and y'all drank it before I did. I haven't sipped mine yet. Oh, well, thank Please. you. Go ahead. Like, oh, hold on, guys. I'm going to sip yeah. real quick. I, I brought it up to my, my face, and it's, it scorched my nose. So I... I so I am a huge fan of natural, very large fan of natural, and I love the siphon brew. Like, if my love language would be blueberry notes and uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and natural and natural and um, and this is really good coffee. So you brought us bags of coffee to taste and to talk about essentially, 
you're roasting here in Charlotte, like literally about five minutes from where the lab uh, um, headquarters is. And like we just made a connection through Instagram. And so that's what's in our cup. Like he brought us two bags. And before I get, we didn't even mention what bags they were though. So tell us what, what two bags of coffee you brought. So in the siphon, we got the natural. Uh, essentially, that natural, we dry it up at the farm, up at 1,700 meters, so it's also a slow-dry process. It takes us about four weeks to dry rather than other drying methods could take about four days. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So you might notice uh, quite smooth and fruity. Mm, very smooth. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of people like to compare that to an Ethiopian rather than a Central American. I w- dude, I would have... That is spot on. So I'm a huge Ethiopian fan. Love it. Uh, if I go into a shop and they've got Ethiopian to sell, I'm buying a bag. It's just, I don't care. They could have do it dark roast uh, and it could be garbage. It's just, if it come from Ethiopia, I'm going to buy it. And this is, this is not your typical, it does not taste like what I would have thought an El Salvador coffee would taste like. It tastes very smooth. Uh, now the siphon does make a smooth cup of coffee, uh, but this is really, really good, really good. But a lot of that smoothness actually comes from that single farm. Gotcha. That the way we've processed it, the way we've you know, yeah, um, putting my dad's reputation as a farmer on the line, yeah. and mine as a roaster. So we have to make sure everything is. So we're gonna get even deeper into this oh, yeah. because th- this is special because he has family that runs the farm and then he's the roaster in the States. So it's literally point to point in beans. And that was one of the reasons when Tyler mentioned this coming across the Instagram was like, dude, let's, this let's awesome. make sure that this happens because I think this is a rarity. He'll probably tell us some more about this, but Real there's quick, yeah. not many people that are doing what you and your family are doing. Right? No, that's, yeah, we were, we're going to hear all about Andreas's story uh, soon. But let's, what else is this? What do we have in this Chemex, Andreas? So in the Chemex, it's also from the same farm. It's just the washed process. Uh, they're essentially both Bourbon varietal, which is uh, what made El Salvador famous for its coffee. Um, I think you'll also find that to be quite smooth, just yeah. a little different. I'll let yeah. you give it a shot. Guys, I'm just going to tell you, I don't know if I want to try anything else. I just want to drink the, yeah, that, that <laughs> the siphon, siphon is, is like, so good. It, is, it is very good. I actually prefer that Chemex over the, the siphon. What, what's Sorry. the reason? I don't just, it tastes a little, mm, I don't know. It has a little, little fuller taste for me. Yeah. So like we, we like tea-ish yeah. style coffees and you like more of a natural tasting there you go even though that's a wash so here's the thing chad aaron and i are big coffee Here. snobs and enthusiasts but we know nothing compared to andreas i mean your coffee knowledge is going to i just to be ourselves. clear i don't know anything so, yes we just no. like it but i mean to me I'm, the chemex is very good it tastes slightly flatter that that might just be the the brewing process. They're both very good, but would that be like less like floral notes that you're like because when you say flatter, like what's that? I, I'm actually about to taste it because I haven't done it yet. 
Well, you got to remember it also has different grind size and yes, absolutely. temperature. Yes, different brew method. They're, yeah. They're very good. They're um, both very good. I just prefer the the, uh, the one in the Chemex better. That's actually my crowd pleaser. <laughs> See? Well, you are a... For the crowd. Hey. It's for the crowd. Hey. Chad's also been known as the crowd pleaser. <laughs> Keep this thing on track. <laughs> so, okay, let's get back to it. So that is what's in our cup because yes, it's really good in our cup. Very uh, good. So, Andreas, first off, thank you for coming on. Thank you for bringing coffee. Anybody that brings bags of coffee by, dude, we already a, like. It's, it's awesome. A, it's a big time. So let's let's start with Jag Ted and give us kind of. You're in Charlotte. You're in quite a few places around Charlotte. Um, and so tell us a little bit about Jag's Head and set the foundation because we'll lead into your family owning a, a, a farm uh, in a little bit later. But tell us about Jag's Head. So we opened up Jag's Head last year. Um, it started roasting in March 2019 um, with the idea just to create sustainability for our farms. Uh, it was been quite a long time of hearing how farming coffee is not the same as what it used to be decades ago. Yeah. But we said, what can we do? And we just came up with a, my dad offered us the idea, how about we just roast coffee and and sell it out. So, um, excuse me, so prior to last year, you weren't roasting, did you have any experience roasting? Uh, or you were just basically for the coffee plantation? So I just had, yeah, just the coffee plantation. Okay. Uh, the roasting idea came... I think it was sometime in it was 2017 that my dad came up with the idea. And I'm like, I can give it a shot. I'll research a little bit. Found a few schools out in the West Coast. Uh, went to Portland. Took a course there. Uh, after two days of that course, I called my dad and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, this is really hard as I thought. But then uh, finally nailed him decent roast on the last day. Came back to Charlotte, bought myself a, a one kilo roaster, put it in my brother's shed and started from there. Uh, went to El Salvador, came back with a suitcase full of coffee beans and, <laughs> and, started. and started, yeah. The funny part is the first time we started that roaster, it came in with some uh, Guatemalan beans and they're supposed to be good. And we, we tried it out with my brother and we just stared at each other. We're like, what are we doing? This is really bad. But after that El Salvador trip, uh, we brought in the beans from our farm and pretty much almost did the same exact thing. It just came out perfect. And I look at my brother and we're like, all right, we got good beans up at the farm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so learning, the learning curve for roasting, it, I hear, is, <clears throat> is a, a fine finesse. And, and it's something that just takes uh, a lot of time because you're you're trying to understand the curve, listening for that first crack, right, and then um, and then then knowing how to remove the heat so it doesn't cook itself after you've already roasted it. And so, it, like, was that a hard uh, was that a hard process to create profiles for your beans? It's people say that you know they get scared when they hear all the science about roasting and how difficult it can be and it, it can be if you get too technical but I sort of went in with the idea of three basic concepts in roasting and the three phases it goes through and if I could understand those I figured out I could do a quite phenomenal roast 
So I sort of stepped away from all that science and technicalities in it and just stuck to the three basic concepts. And with those, I was able to produce those uh, profiles. Awesome. So what are those concepts? Uh, the drying, then the Maillard reaction, and then mm-hmm. just uh, development. Uh, the drying is... It's not quite as important as the Maillard in the, in the development phase, where in the Maillard reaction is where you get yellowing and you develop all the sugars, and then the development is post-first crack, and that's where you just say, okay, I think I got it right here, and, <laughs> and do a little bit of trial and error in between. Dude, this is exciting. One, I, one This is like speaking directly to me, because if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you know that... I love the like details. I love like the data and the, and just listen to you talk about that. And we were as we were making this, we were talking about uh, where the bean starts, and you were talking about the deterioration. Essentially, what I, I would classify it as the deterioration of the bean once it is picked. And uh, you were talking through the process, and it's been something that me and Tyler have talked about for a while of you know, this, this idea of you can only have as good of coffee as the bean itself. And so, uh, tell, tell us a little bit about that and why now you've, you've have your farm beans and it's direct from farm to roaster, which is very rare. Um, and so tell us a little bit about the bean deterioration if you can, and, and how you've kind of closed that gap. So, Let's put it, everything starts with soil, a seed, a varietal of the coffee tree. Um, Talk about varietal, it's, let's say, put in perspective a car, whether it's Korean or Japanese or European. It's the same with the coffee tree. You have different types of coffee trees that produce different qualities. So essentially, you're looking for the highest quality coffee tree you can find. But you might sacrifice yield, productivity out of that tree. Uh, Tendencies are trees that produce higher quality coffee, they might produce less beans. Mm -hmm. But that's something you have to decide what route you want to go. So we started off with a Bourbon, which is a highly sought after varietal. Then it takes two years, three years to get a cherry off of that tree before you can pick it and process it and turn it into a bean that you can roast. So once it's picked, uh, you have to do a post sort. You want to make sure everything you pick is at the right color. It's matured properly because one bad bean in your cup can just ruin that whole cup. Then after you do the post sort, you go to the drying phase. You can either do it uh, on a natural bed like the we did with the siphon, uh, similar to how they do in, in Africa, or you can do a washed process like we're drinking in the Chemex. Uh, the mills have to take extreme care of the, of the beans as well. You have to check the humidity of it, the water content, uh, the drying process as well again. Then transportation of coffee, got to make sure that's properly done as well. And then the roaster has, let's say, 10 to 12 minutes to figure out the roast before you can give it out to a barista. 
So what's the typical time from uh, the cherries picked at your family's plantation till it's actually in your hands here ready to roast? Uh, it takes usually about, well, we have a long harvest season because we do have multiple farms at different altitudes. Okay. So our oldest farm is at 1,200 meters above sea level. We're picking that in January. Then we have a higher altitude farm where we're picking that up uh, towards March. We go all the way into April at the highest peaks of the farm. That is 1850, 100 meters. You can check that out and you will not find other coffee farms up that altitude. So we do have a long harvest season. Uh, we're usually shipping that out in August. Okay. So you have a longer coffee season is what you're saying. Yes. So let me ask you this. You being the roaster and you having the beans and uh, and being the last one to deliver it, how often do you have to change a profile as it's related to the season that the bean, like the season that the bean was, uh, you know, picked from the tree. Like, is there a, is there a change in the profile or is it normally like, Hey, this is the profile for this. Does that ever change? Uh, it won't change per harvest season. What changes is, uh, let's say the varietal. Okay. If I have a different lot, I'll create a unique profile for that lot. Okay. Uh, the density of the bean, lower altitude coffee has uh, less dense beans, so also it's it's a different roast profile. Gotcha. So do you guys do it, Jack's Head, um, mostly blends, single origins? What are, What's your... Well, name? it's all, let's say, single, single estate. Yeah, single estate. I do have some roasts that are a blend of a washed and a natural um, Let's say people want a little customized yeah. blend. I can do that for them, but it's all straight up from our farms. Gotcha. That's so, awesome. so that's a very interesting. A single estate, and then because most blends from most other places are lots of beans from different farms, essentially, and it could be drastic regions that they're different, um, and then brought together to make a blend of coffee, but. What Jags Head is doing, and tell me if I'm correct and understanding this properly, you're actually taking and crafting a single estate blend. So it's coffees from our plantation that is like uh, a natural roast or, um, uh, or sorry, a natural process or dried. Uh, or uh, do y'all do, um, is it... Uh, Honey. 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 Do y'all do that as well? Yes. This year is going to be the first year we bring in the honey. Oh, oh, dude, that'll be awesome. That actually landed in Charleston, I think, five days ago. Oh, dude, so that's I, awesome. I can't wait to get those in. That's that's awesome. So so with that, you would do, you know, you would pick multiple different blends of that and then, or multiple different beans and make your own blend. But that, But you also said earlier that you're doing special bags for specific places so you're actually able to craft a roast that fits their palate uh a little bit better right yeah. tell us some of the um local businesses you were saying that you guys supply coffee to 
So we're in Pepper Box Donuts, uh, the Common Market, Rhino Markets, uh, your mom's donuts. Uh, we do have Early Girl Eatery up in Asheville, uh, Define Coffee in Huntersville. Big shout out to Define. I really like Define Coffee. If you've never been there, go check that out. Maybe, a, maybe you like them because they I mean, use Jags head. Definitely, definitely. This is this is like incredibly cool. I've seen it at common at the common market before. I I, I was trying to figure out where I'd seen that logo, and that makes the most sense. Pretty yeah. Cool. So okay, so you're now talking about the roast uh, process, but you've alluded to going back to El Salvador and getting beans and coming back there. Tell us a little bit about your family's history with the plantation and the farm that you're currently getting beans from. So we go way back into coffee. Um, I would be fourth generation in coffee as a producer and I'll say first generation roaster. Uh, I was born into coffee from both sides of my family. Uh, I can account to my great grandparents being coffee producers uh, from both sides. And I think that would be from both grandparents, yeah, parents. So, so on your mom's side and as well as on your dad's side, both of them were coffee farmers. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, so that's a that's a deep heritage in coffee. And were they all of this um, farm, this plantation, or were they just different throughout the the El Salvador area? Uh, they were in different areas. Yeah. Uh, my dad's side uh, was on the Santana Volcano. Um, that's where they're from. Then from my mom's side was on the San Salvador Volcano. Okay. So in the San, the first one that you mentioned was where the beans are coming from currently at this moment. Is that correct? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So you have a massive heritage of the of growing beans of plantation, but you mentioned something earlier that was very interesting to us and and we can go into it as deep as you want to or we'll keep it as protective as we want you want to because we understand that you're roasting coffee but the fair trade is not as fair as people perceive is that correct uh yes i don't think that is it actually it really isn't <laughs> yeah cuz that's one of the reasons why your family is they have their plantation they like they harvest the bean, they handle that entire process. And then you're in the States receiving beans straight from their farm and you're doing it direct, like far from plantation to roaster and cutting out what would be a bean broker or a, or a, uh, a contract, right? Yes. It's actually a couple of brokers because you have a broker at origin, then you have a broker here in the U S so you so, guys are completely vertically integrated, whereas yes. the average roaster here, like, for instance, I know LockDot gets a lot of beans from the Sugar Creek. Sure. He's a, he's a roaster. He's getting these beans, and they might have changed hands three or four times. That's, that's pretty standard, but I think that's what's unique about you guys is you're from the soil to the cherry to the end product. That's you guys. That's, that's really cool. Yes, no, I was actually looking at a chart, and it's a lot more than three to four hands, actually, that they get their chunk out of it. But with us, yes, it's all direct. My dad, he lives in El Salvador. He Coffee coffee is his passion. Um, I would say he spends 70% of his time up at the farms. Um, he 
has a nice little house there, so he just enjoys it. Wow. Then, uh... So that, that's that's crazy that... I mean, we all know that it's a lot of marketing. I mean, we, we're we not naive to yeah. the idea of... Organic. Fair, fair trade. trade. You know, everybody um, says that. And so it's just very interesting being able to, I don't want to say, pull back the curtain a little bit, but understand, like... You know what you're getting that may have the the organic label on it may be a percentage of organic or may have paid to get the organic uh, a seal of approval versus something like what jags head is using which you can verify and you, it's a farm to roaster direct you know what's funny is about uh certifications i've had people ask me do you have direct trade certification and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, I don't need one. I own a farm. <laughs> you know, certifications are businesses. You have to pay to be certified. It's just another, let's say, out of money, out of pocket for the farmer to get those type of certifications as well. But something that you mentioned was the fair trade. By fair trade definition, it's a 20% premium above market price. So let me put an example for you. Market price, uh, commodity market price in coffee has been hovering around a dollar for the past year or so. So that's the price of the processed green bean to be exported. By fair trade standards, that means someone has to pay a dollar twenty to the farmer. But what people don't understand is that it actually costs about a dollar forty in El Salvador to harvest good coffee. It's because everything is non-industrialized. Everything is hand-picked. It just has a higher cost. So if we would get fair trade prices uh, per definition, we're actually losing money. Hmm. And the one who takes the hit there would be my dad in, in our case. Sure. Yeah. Wow. So, so when the price is essentially over... Uh, you said, like, let's just use the example of a dollar. Uh, does that apply across most areas, like, of the world? Like, that, that cost per pound or per of green bean? Or is that per region? It's really per region. Let's say Brazil, South America, they have huge farms over there that are worked with tractors and machinery. So what do they do is when they think their coffee is ready, they just go with a huge tractor and they'll just pick everything in the way. Yeah. And then they might do some type of post sort to, for quality control. Yeah. But that's just a lot cheaper. Yeah. Rather than what we do is we have in one harvest season, our collaborators go to that same tree three times during that season to ensure that they're only picking what's ripe. Gotcha. Okay. So, so do you have, does your, does your, so you're here in Charlotte with Jag's Head roasting those. Do you, does your dad's farm partner with other uh, bean distributors? Or are you kind of like, are y'all trying to position yourself eventually to where all the beans from this farm are really direct? Um, is that a, is that a position or a play? So... Right now, uh, we do have other buyers, and they're right now they're in London. We have a coffee roaster that's bought from us, 
and we just made a deal as well with another buyer out in Dubai. Wow. And so what's us. your, sorry, what's so, the farm's average yield in a season? Like how many kilograms of, of green beans are you guys producing? Uh, in pounds, I could say it's about 40,000 pounds of export grade A coffee. And I also, I do need to say, uh, we do have a partner here in Charlotte, uh, Nightflyer. Oh, dude, Nightflyer. Yeah. So they're also roasting, they're a, a direct as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. We supply them with coffee. and. That's uh, awesome. I think Paul does a really great job yeah. with it as well. Yeah, that that's really, really cool. But then besides that, um, you know, our, our goal is for us to roast everything we produce. Um. There's no point in not roasting it. <laughs> so you're you're importing everything and you're roasting it yourself and then you're distributing it as well through the the ways that you were talking about earlier. What is the struggle that you're having getting this story out? Because obviously it is it, the story is a bit unique, um, and you can't put all that on the package. I see on the package you say from our farm to your cup, but the rest of the story that makes this product even more so unique, it's how do you continue to get that message and that story out? You know, it's tough because it's a lot of information. Yeah. And it's information that people are not used to hearing, like you said. It's, right. We're unique. I can go through a whole spiel introduction and talk about coffee for 15 minutes with a potential client. Mm -hmm. And at the end, they'll be like, wait, you own the farms, it's like they've yeah. never heard of it. No. I'm like, yes, we, we own it. They're like, well, you know, our roaster does a direct trade buying from his farm and then I have to go and explain, like, maybe they do, maybe they don't. Sure. Most likely they don't because <laughs> it's actually mills that buy from farms and go through that whole spiel. Yeah, but, I, I've never – the only other place that I've heard of is uh, Sun and Gross Coffee – in Louisville, Kentucky, they're the, the guy who picks their beans or purchases their beans is on staff and he travels over to the farms. But I don't even know if that's just essentially partnering with a, a broker that allows you to go on the farm just so you could check the bean before it passes through three or four or five hands. I don't even know if that's like the op the the avenue that they're going but i've never heard of someone saying hey or i've never heard of someone saying that they have a relationship with a plantation that is direct i've never heard that so that you're right a lot of the importers here in the u.s they'll take some vip clients out to the farms so they can do a photo op meet the farmer check it out and claim that they're buying from the farm. But a lot of times, uh, they're actually buying from the importer. But it's just the importer taking them directly to the farm so they can say that they're doing it. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that is uh, definitely a great PR stunt. I mean, like, if that's, if that's what it is being labeled as. I mean, like, I mean, most places here in in North America don't have a relationship with a place. So let's say you are a coffee roaster that's listening to this. 
what would you tell a coffee roaster that would be like, hey, make a relationship with a plantation? Or is there even a play? Like, could somebody like, let's say we started a roastery here and we started, is there even an avenue for me to go buy beans direct? It would be, it would be really tough. Uh, you would have to probably establish a relationship with a mill that has the farm because the mill is where coffee is processed and not many farmers can have a mill. So you have to rely on that mill. And also, how comfortable would you feel walking through the jungles of Central America, South America, hoping to find a farm and hoping that you can talk to this farmer yeah, as well? Spanish. Yeah, I mean, that would be, it would be almost impossible. I mean, in, in every area that you would have to have an in or essentially use a broker like the process is right now. So you have a very unique opportunity or a very unique situation because I don't know of any other, like, yeah, the situation sounds really crappy the way you describe it, but I don't know of any other, if there's another option for a roaster or is there? I mean, it's it's tough. I don't want to say that there isn't because um, we have managed to establish relationships with some roasters. Gotcha. But I can only tell you it's three places in the world where you, I can certify that you're drinking our coffee. Gotcha. And only our coffee it's if, it, if it's labeled as yeah. um, ours. Wow. Well, we've discussed on previous episodes, um, we like trying lots of coffees. And one thing that I was big on last year in the Charlotte area there's there's so many places you can get beans from locally um trade coffee I'm not sure if you've heard of them but basically you can go to their website tell them your coffee I like medium roast dark roast your level of do you kind of like coffee do you really are you snobby snobbery and um they have probably 30 different roasters some large names like I think they have Stumptown and they have Intelligista and one that I found that I really liked was Huckleberry out of Denver, Colorado. So for me, just the average guy who really likes coffee, that's a, a method for me to get to sample a large variety and kind of expand my palate and find out what I like. That's great. Um, but these average bags, depending on the process and the origin, single origin blend, they can be $14 a bag, or you can get some like Onyx, who does some really cool stuff out of Arkansas. They've got bags that are like 30 bucks. And then you're telling me that the farmer who's actually doing all the work is, is getting a, a dollar a pound for green. So is, is that is that real figures, or were you just giving an example for your... Uh, that's based off of today's commodity price. Okay. Now, here's the thing. A lot of farmers don't realize what they got. Yeah. You know, my dad for decades was getting a premium above market price. But then it came until one year that the mill that we were selling the coffee to told us, I want you to sell this coffee directly to, to these Japanese buyers. And they're going to pay you four fifty a pound. And my dad is like scratching his eye, like, what do you mean they're gonna pay me four fifty a pound? I've been getting a dollar fifty, maybe a dollar seventy-five in a good year mm -hmm. for my coffee. Like, what's going on? 
He's like, they're just going to buy from you at this price. You got something really good. Go for it. So after that, my dad's like, so I've been missing out on a lot. Mm. That's it. It's time. You know, I've always known that I've had great, amazing coffee, but I never realized what it was really worth until that opportunity came. And that's where we said, we just got to roast it move forward. Wow. So in that, like, do you think that that's a lot with quality control or, or, you know, like you said, you've got multiple curators that are going to the tree three times in a harvest season. Do you think that has to play with that or is it the soil and the, like the, what, what do you think attests to that? Uh, the soil has a lot to do. Uh, for example, we're on a volcano that's prime growing, land for coffee uh we're actually in a volcano that got dusted i think it was about 10 years ago with the ash everyone was freaking out but we just realized that was the best thing possible mm-hmm. for quality just rejuvenated put new minerals into the soil perfect then the coffee varietal the tree has a lot to do as well whether that coffee tree can produce a sweet cup of coffee, a fruity cup of coffee, a floral, herbal, uh, just different profiles. Um, the way you process and harvest it, just everything along, along the line has to be quite perfect. And like I said, in our case, it's my dad's reputation as a farmer than mine as a roaster. But we do have that on top of us as well to ensure that we're doing everything right. So let me ask you, this might be a dumb question, as far as roasting comes to mind, but we've talked about previous episodes. You know, you look at a bag and you'll see the notes and there's the the wheel that shows all the possible floral notes and different things, citrus. And how much of that is attributed to the varietal where it's grown or is it more just the roasting profile? Is it a buzzword that people use for marketing or what's what's your take on that? Uh, the region. <clears throat> Everything starts with the region. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bourbon in, in El Salvador might, you know, Bourbon on the Santana Volcano might taste different than a Bourbon on a different part of the country or, mm-hmm. diff- or a different region by itself. Uh, the roast profile as well plays an important role is whether how much you develop the sugars and then how much you let it post first crack as well. But essentially, you do do a like, um, in the let's say in the lab phase, you just do a generic profile to see what potential mm-hmm. that bean has, and then based off of what you cup is what you aim for in your commercial roaster. Let's say, oh, yeah, like like Aaron was saying earlier when we were sampling the coffee, I'm a big fan also of Ethiopians and. Maybe naively, typically when I think about Central American coffees, I think of like an earthy taste, nutty chocolate, which is fine. Me personally, that's not my favorite profile, but I'm really impressed with this light roast because it has some fruity and floral notes that I wouldn't typically associate with a Central American coffee. And like you were saying, the soil and the uh, the altitude and the, the care sounds like it's playing a large role in in that yeah i would agree with you tyler that that normally i would not take the flavor of this 
of the cup that I had and say, hey, it was from this region. I, like, I would not. And so it definitely attests to Jag's Head and the way you're roasting it, as well as the way that your father's farm is taking such great care of the bean and picking at the right time, going back to the tree multiple times, like you said, the meal, the delivery, all of that, you're able to manage those steps. And you can definitely tell because this does not taste like a traditional El Salvador cup of coffee. Um, So, dude, Andres, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you for enlightening us, for one, uh, in that. And if people want to get Jags Head Coffee, I think you mentioned the places locally in Charlotte that that have it, as well as you mentioned um, one of our local roasters that is roasting your beans as well. And so if a place wants to reach out to you to get beans, um, is there a way to get it through the web or do they need to go to, uh, to a local store in Charlotte? Well, you can go um, online to www.jagsheadcoffee.com. Also, our Instagram at jagsheadcoffee can shoot us a message there. And You guys don't offer like uh, subscriptions or anything like shipping yet? Uh, we do ship. Okay, perfect. Uh, well, definitely, I, I would love to continue this conversation, like to have you on like regularly, however, whenever you're available, because it's been definitely a lot of fun. Um, and we could talk about different, uh, different, we could dive really deep into the coffee and like each bag that you brought. But I really appreciate you taking the time today to talk with us. Um, listen, follow Jags Head on Instagram uh, and definitely pick up a bag of, of, their natural um what is it the name on the natural is Finkalsi Press Fink say that one more time Finkalsi Press yep I'm not even gonna attempt that because <laughs> it's just gonna I'm gonna botch it so go f- is that is that at um any of the Charlotte locations oh uh, yes okay perfect I right was, now as of today it's in um Common Market they always have common. it uh Rhino Markets as well Perfect. Yeah, like like Aaron said, we really appreciate your time and your knowledge of coffee and everything is light years above us. So we would love to have you back sometime. Hopefully, maybe do a more focused deep dive on the the harvesting and and more specifically about the roasting. Dude, seriously, thanks so much for coming in. I know Chad is now not on a mic because uh, my mic went out. And uh, Tyler, you have anything? Big thanks to Andreas from Jags Head Coffee letting us sample some delicious coffee. Really cool approach to their business. They're totally vertically integrated farm to the, the bean that we just drank. So, Andreas, thanks so much for coming out. Hopefully we can have you back on in the near future. Oh, I'd love to come back. I, just, I feel like we just We're scraped just, the top of this. Oh, it's so for much. Sure. And, uh, for sure. Let's not forget a happy International Coffee Day today. I know, dude. Thank you for mentioning that because I, I saw that pop up on my phone before you got here and like, what better way to celebrate National Coffee Day than with Correct. a delicious siphon brew and Chemex yes. from Jag's Head. So for Chad, Aaron, and Andreas, this is Tyler on the Coffee Stunts Podcast. We will see you on the next show. Adios.